Hello and welcome to another episode of Write With Influence where I share my copywriting advice and experience. Now you might want to pursue copywriting as a career, you might want to improve your writing skills to sell your own products, or you might work for an agency where you're writing copy for clients all the time. Um, if that doesn't sound like you, you you might be in the wrong place, but you're very welcome to stay. Today's episode is aimed really at people who are moving into the field of copywriting as a career. Uh, a common question that I get that I wanted to look at today is, should I choose a niche? Now, before we go any further, let's just tackle the elephant in the room. I'm going to pronounce it niche because it's a French word. And over here, we're pretty close to France and that's just how we pronounce it. Those of you in the niche camp, I hope that this isn't gonna to be too annoying for you. So the word niche comes from niche. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And apparently it means to nest. And a quick shout out to Martin Whitmore who does illustrations for this podcast. He's done a great image for this week which fits perfectly with the idea of nesting. You can see it if you visit writewithinfluence.com and click on the link to the podcast. So. Should you, as a copywriter then, build a nest or a niche for the work that you do? I'm gonna explain my personal view of both choosing and not choosing a niche. While I've never strictly chosen a niche, I have narrowed my focus of who I work for and the type of work that I do. And I, I firmly believe that that has been a huge help in helping me find great quality clients without making the work that I do too narrow or too boring for me. So developing a niche, it can be done in different ways. Probably, probably the most common is defining an industry or a target market of people that you work with. For example, I know a marketing firm called um, The Profitable Firm, and they only do marketing for accountants. And they do really well. They're, all their content is just geared up to the pain points that accountants have when marketing themselves. Um, and they do a fantastic job of it. And they've really carved out their marketing and branding around that niche. And it also makes a lot of sense. Their customers, accountants, tend to be people that have a lot of obviously accounting experience, but not so much marketing experience. And yet they don't just want to be, um, they don't just want to be guided through their marketing by generalists. They want to be guided by people who understand accounting, understand what their clients are looking for when choosing an accountant. And they do really, really well. Now, I did see someone who had developed a niche that I, it caught my eye, but it didn't appeal to me. It was someone trying to connect on LinkedIn and they were positioned as the weight loss coach or, or fitness guru for copywriters. Um, I didn't accept the request because I, I couldn't understand the connection. I found it a little bit odd. I mean, do, do I need to get fit? Absolutely. That that goal of emerging from lockdown as a butterfly and perhaps maybe with a novel under my belt, that's long gone. If I can come out with this with my sanity intact and just a modicum of muscle wastage, well, that's gonna be a win from me. So I, I couldn't see the benefit of a trainer who would understand the copywriting industry. Um, I don't need someone to show me how to do push-ups and also talk about benefits and uh, pain points. It, it, you know, I, I want a trainer who can shout and motivate me. I'm personally a massive fan of Sean T, who's 
awesome. He developed the Insanity Program. Highly recommend it. Um, and my failing at the Insanity Program is is nothing against Sean. He did everything right. I just just too lazy. So you might choose your niche based on target market, or it might be that you choose a niche depending on the type of content that you want to write. So you might be the copywriter for webinar scripts or email newsletters or podcast scripts. I would say those are two main areas where people tend to focus, industry and the type of work that they do. Now, a lot of marketing advice will tell you to pick a niche, and I can see a lot of reasons for this. For example, one, you become a subject matter expert the more focused you are in one area. Number two, your marketing becomes a lot easier because you can be more focused in one area. And three, these are just three main ones off the top of my head, onboarding your clients is a lot simpler. So let's unpack those briefly. Number one, you become a subject matter expert the more focused you are in one area. Absolutely true. Let's say that you're a copywriter for investment companies and financial advice. Now, over the years, your knowledge of bonds and exchange traded funds and securities, that's going to be invaluable because you're going to develop and use the language of experts in your field and you're going to do it naturally. You'll be able to employ language that shows you're not an imposter. You are someone who is steeped in this knowledge. And as a result, you're going to write more confidently and you're going to be more credible as a copywriter. So I can definitely see an advantage there. You become a real specialist and that's going to shine through in your writing that you do for clients. Number two, marketing yourself is going to be a lot easier. Um, If you narrow your focus by only working with one type of person or one type of industry, you have a smaller area in which you need to show up and be visible. So rather than target any business that could benefit from copywriting, you could look at putting adverts in specific trade magazines or trade websites and publications. You could look for specific events to sponsor um, or blogs on which to guest post. I remember seeing an AWAI conference, and I think one of their speakers was a lady who had carved out her career by being the copywriter for pet stores. You know, this doesn't just make it easier in terms of where to advertise your services, but also that positioning, the copywriter for this type of industry, these sort of businesses, gives customers confidence, again, because they're choosing a specialist over a generalist. And finally, onboarding your clients is going to be a lot easier. If you're serving the same industry or same style of clients, you're not starting from scratch when you onboard them. You're not having to do a lot of research on the industry or their business to get you up to speed. Instead, you can start much farther ahead if you're already very familiar with the work that they do. And this means that your project can probably move faster. It's probably going to be easier to build rapport because you're not going to be asking questions about well-known industry terms or nuances that might make your customer nervous and think, gosh, you know, if if they don't know about that in our industry, how can they possibly write good sales copy authentically? I can absolutely understand and see the advantage of choosing a niche. A lot of businesses will really value someone who has that specialist knowledge um, rather than someone who has worked with a variety of different industries and businesses, because there are certain situations when you really will want to hire someone who has done what it is that you need, what it is that you're looking for, someone who has done that again and again and again, thousands of times over, perhaps. 
Welcome to House Horror Happy Home, where we feature someone who's bought a shockingly awful property and now wants to be on TV to get some renovation help at a reduced rate. Today we have Susan who paid a little bit too much for this ugly cottage. Susan, tell me about it. Well, I've just always dreamed of having a little cottage in the country. Bit run down though, isn't it, Susan? Yeah. Do you get embarrassed when people come round? I suppose a little bit. Gosh, what do you think they say when your friends leave this hole hmm? and go back to their lovely houses? Well, all, all my all my friends are actually quite quite nice and kind, so I, I don't think they mind too much. Do you think they're saying things like, "Gosh, Susan's place is so"? Oh, don't worry, Susan, because we have on hand one of our fabulous construction experts. This is Terry. He's an expert in renovating period cottages. Aren't you, Terry? Yeah. And how many have you done? Thousands. It's just a never-ending stream of cottage renovations. Same thing again and again and again. Oh, sounds like you're in safe hands, Susan. Let me guess. You want to keep the main features, the beams, but take out some walls, make it open plan so you can see guests from the kitchen when you entertain. And you want more footprint upstairs with a dormer and an ensuite of the master bedroom. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah, 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 thought so. Yeah, no, we can do that. We can do that. But, but most of all, Terry, I, I just want this to be a really fun house. What? What did you say? A fun house. Well, Susan, that sounds wonderful and welcoming. Okay, Terry, we'll see you in a couple of months. I just want this to be a really fun house. Okay, I'm back with Susan, who's been staying with friends while Terry renovates. I can't wait to show you what I've done. Susan, your your words really stuck with me. And I know I've done thousands of cottage renovations over the year, but this one, this one was particularly special. I just, I decided to look outside of the niche I was comfortable with and borrow some ideas from a different type of building altogether. Oh, wow. Can we go have a look? What is that? It's your fun house. Come on in. It, it's inflatable. That's right. We tore down the property completely. You might have the council asking for a word because I think it was listed. Anyway, in its place, we constructed a huge inflatable house. My beams! All gone! All gone! You wanted a fun house, Susan! And I was inspired by that 1980s TV show of the same name and decided you truly deserve a fun house. Over here is your ball pit. Is this the kitchen? Y yeah, obviously no hot drinks and try not to spill milk because you will never figure out where the smell is coming from once you drop it in here. I don't understand. Is any of this done to regulations? There's no regulations about having fun, Susan. Well, I think, Terry, you have excelled yourself. Oh, <laughs> whoops. Susan is so overcome with joy. She's slipped. And is that is that a gunk tank? 
Terry that she's slipped in. She's covered in slime. Yep, well done, Terry. Cheers. So yes, I can definitely see the benefit in choosing a niche, but before you decide to jump in and become the copywriter for construction workers or insurance companies, here's something that you do need to consider. What if you get it wrong? So when I started working for myself and I was researching marketing, every piece of advice about choosing a niche, and this would be back in 2009, there was a really strong argument to niche down. All the advice made you believe that this was something you could do in about 30 minutes. You know, choose a niche and then get going. Sit down with a pen, paper, pick your niche and boom, go. What I didn't find really was any useful advice about how to choose a niche. Um, it was a little bit like that advice of setting your hourly rate that you used to see all the time. You know, work out how much you want to earn. Um, work out how many hours a week you want to work. Divide that and there you go it's your hourly rate. And it's it's not that simple. As much as I wanted to earn half a million pounds working one day a week, no one as yet uh, would want to pay me that hourly rate. I mean, they might, there might be someone out there, but I'd probably have to do some very, very bad things. My additional frustration of just choose a niche is that you don't know what you don't know. Now, what I'm gonna say next is very much my own opinion. I'm not saying I'm right, but this is what I found. This was my experience. The problem that I faced was the idea of how does 2009 Amy, just starting out as a copywriter, how does she know what 2012 Amy is going to want to write about? If I pick the wrong niche, am I going to hate it, but be sort of committed with my marketing and branding three years down the line? Now, I love goal setting, all about setting goals and stretching yourself, but something I've always struggled to get on board with is that idea of making a decision today based on a very detailed vision of the future. So, you know, you'll get advice when it comes to goal setting to imagine the house that you want right down to the furnishings. And I'm sorry, but I think that's, I think that's rubbish. And I think that there's the temptation there that it could put you into a trap. I couldn't tell you what curtains I like today, never mind what curtains I want in my dream house five years from now. And this is what frustrated me about picking a niche. What if I invest all this money in a website and branding and positioning only to discover that I hate it? I don't like the industry, I don't like the writing. It's one of the reasons I rarely work with startups because until a business has been operating enough to know what their customers actually like, what their product does well, where it's really unique, you can't build a sales message that's gonna work. It's all kind of just fluff and supposition at that point. So here's my approach to setting goals. And it's also how I navigated the idea of picking a niche. It's simple, um, it's, it's definitely not, not been well researched. It is purely based on my own personal experience. So don't take it, you, you won't find any academic papers backing this up as, uh, as brain science but it's just, it's served me well. And I think, I think it's this approach is one of the reasons why I'm very, very lucky enough to have a current book of fantastic clients who I respect, who pay very well, and who love the work that I do and give me writing projects that I enjoy working on. So instead of sitting down and painting a very specific plan of a precise picture and a goal in my mind, 
I tend to just keep it simple and ask myself, am I happy? And if not, I ask myself, what would I like to change? What do I think is making me unhappy? And what would I like to change that I think could have the potential to make me happier? And I've used this approach to make life decisions, but I definitely used it in terms of picking a niche and deciding who I wanted to work with. So after, if I decide that actually, no, I'm not happy, uh, what would make me happy? When I answer that, I try and keep the answer at very broad strokes and base it on more kind of values rather than physical or monetary gains. Because in my experience, stuff and money, that it doesn't make you happy. Don't get me wrong, I'm very driven by earning money. It's one of the reasons I love writing sales copy, but money alone is usually not a great goal. If money was my only goal, I would have moved to London, got a job in finance, or I would have stayed in my old job and become worked my way up to try and become a partner in the business. But I'm pretty sure I would have been miserable. When I started to work for myself, it's because I was unhappy. I was spending a lot of time working on spreadsheets that I guarantee no one ever looked at, um, which was probably a bonus actually, because there was probably a lot of mistakes in them. So I asked myself, you know, am I happy? I said, no, what would I like to change? And I thought I'd like to write for a living. I'd like to be able to go for a run in the morning and then not have to go into the office. And that was it. No business plan, no step-by-step project outline for the following six months, just a broad idea of what I was confident would make me happy and the confidence that I could figure out how to make it happen once I got started. And so that's what I did. So in terms of picking a niche, when I first started getting clients, I just kept asking myself those questions and I continued to course correct. As I did more work, I found out more about what I liked doing and what I didn't like doing. I didn't pick a niche, so to speak. Rather, I whittled away at this opaque goal of wanting to write for a living until the picture started becoming more and more clear. And it was always driven by that question, am I happy? And over time, I started to see things more clearly. Two things in particular, what I enjoyed writing and who I enjoyed working with. So if you're struggling with your idea of picking a niche, I recommend paying attention to those two things. And here's what I found. I loved sales copy. I just gravitated towards it. I didn't enjoy writing articles. I enjoy writing articles for my own content marketing, not so much for other people. I tend to turn down most, if not all blog requests, unless it's for a current client. Um, And I don't tend to enjoy writing web copy unless it is for a landing page or a sales page or part of a funnel that is designed to make sales. What I found as well as a bonus to this is that clients will pay more for sales copy than they will necessarily for web copy. That was a bonus. But I just I just loved all the nuance of, of writing sales copy. I still do, still fascinated by it. I also discovered who I like working with. I like clients who are authentic. I've known some people that can say one thing in front of a camera or an audience and then behind the scenes, unleash what they really think about their customers, their partners, the people that they work with. Um, That's not for me. So I like to know that I'm working with someone who is as they present, who have good values, similar values to me. I like people who value what I do and are happy to pay for it. Um, And, you know, I don't want to feel awkward about sending an invoice or wondering if there's going to be a battle about the amount or if I'm going to have to chase a reminder. 
Um, I have a client that reminds me for every new project to track my time to make sure that I'm not selling myself short. These are great people to work with. And I like working with clients who have the power to approve the message. So it's not being passed through different departments before it gets a yes or a no, often after 20 different people have put their opinion on it. And that can really, that can really grind your confidence down as a new copywriter. Say for example, you, you get a new client, you're developing a message with who you think is the decision maker, but then it goes to a committee behind the scenes and they don't like it that doesn't necessarily mean your writing is no good. It means that they weren't there and included in the conversations and discussions that helped you build that message. And if you don't have that awareness, it can really damage your self-confidence and, and uh, you know knock your self-esteem as a writer. So wherever possible, try and make sure that when you're working with a client, you're working with the person who not can just say yes to the message, but is the person who will could say no because then you know that if it's approved, it is actually approved. Now, none of this happened overnight. 2009, Amy certainly didn't have the knowledge to design the clients and the work that I'd be doing in 2020. I'm also keenly aware that I'm, I, this isn't everyone's approach. Some people know exactly what they want to do out of the gate and they go for it and they get it. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. Often I'm very envious of that approach, but I have to be honest with myself that it's just not me. I come out of the gate, I have a look around, I gravitate towards things that look fun, things that look adventurous, and keep myself open to opportunities and just ask that question, am I happy? And then pivot, change, course correct, whatever it is. And I still do it today. If I'm not looking forward to the day, or if I'm not looking forward to, if I have a couple of weeks where I think, hmm, haven't really been sort of inspired or excited, I will ask myself, why not? What about my work is frustrating me? What do I think needs to change? And I I hope that I always will keep asking myself that question because, well, I think that's the real goal of anything is to be happy. In summary, here's what I'd say about choosing a niche. Both approaches can work. If you know you only want to write for a specific industry, go for it. What I would say though is try not to go too narrow. So for example, something like financial services, such a huge topic that you can still find a lot of variety in subjects and products, as well as many clients to serve. If you go too narrow, you might struggle to find a new way to talk about what your client does. And you may not have enough of a client base to sustain the business. And also you have to bear in mind that some clients, whilst they might want a specialist, when it comes to marketing, some clients may be uneasy if you're if they think that you're going to be doing marketing for their competition because you're working within a specific industry. But I would also say that if you don't know what niche to pick, don't worry. And please don't let it stop you getting started because the sooner that you do start, the sooner you will have more information about what you like what you don't like and you can chip away until you see a clearer picture of what makes you happy that's all for this week don't forget to subscribe if you've enjoyed this episode and also share with the other people you think may enjoy it you can reach out to me on twitter at harrison amy and you can find more about the complete course at writewithinfluence.com forward slash course till next time keep believing and really don't worry about defining the perfect niche it's not like you have to marry it 
and welcome to the future husband shop. How can I help you? I'm looking for a husband. No problem. We'll just, we like to do a little profiling first to match you to your most suitable husband. So let me just dig it out. Oh wow, these look gorgeous. He looks just like Tom Hardy. He is a popular model. Feel free to yeah, browse. Uh, okay, here we go. Let's start with the profile. What were the last five films you watched where there was a notable love interest? Think potential husband. Okay, um, last five films I watched. Uh, Beauty and the Beast, uh, Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella, how many is that? One, two, three, Snow White and uh, The Little Mermaid. Yeah? We just got Disney Plus. Okay, uh, hmm. This might be tricky. Okay, why don't you tell me what you would like in a husband? A gentleman. Someone who always pulls out my chair before I sit down. Always. It's so chivalrous. That's going to get annoying really quickly. I definitely want him to have a high-powered job and make lots of money. There's something really attractive about a man in a suit, always rushing around, telling people what to do, and just, just being powerful and authoritative. And I want him to buy me lots of gifts on our anniversary, on my birthday, or just a few diamonds because he's sorry. And I'm quite drawn to that brooding, mysterious, sort of slightly moody and edgy type. Look, I don't normally do this. And maybe that is exactly what you want for the next 30, 40 years of your life. But you seem nice, so I would like you to consider this model. He doesn't look like much. He's not at this stage. Look, you're trying to find an out-of-the-box model, something that's already made, but a lot of those things you've listed are going to drive you insane within a few months. Someone married to his job, buying you off with gifts, not spending time with you. And brooding just means moody. You don't want to spend your life with someone who's irritable or critical of everything. Now, this guy, he's a cheaper model, and he's like a Mr. Potato Head. What? You get to shape him as you go. Now, he does come with some quite fun features already built in. Um, instead of buying you trinkets, he's got a great intuition for when you need to be poured a drink and left alone to watch some reality TV. Oh, I do like doing that sometimes. He will also listen to you complain about your family and friends without judgment and without treating them differently next time he sees them. Ooh. He's also programmed to listen to your dreams. Yes, I want someone who can help me make my dreams come true. No, 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 no. I mean your actual dreams. You know when you want to tell a story about that dream you had when, you know, you were at home, but it didn't look like home, but you knew it was home, but you didn't know how you got there. And then there was a strange looking animal that was like a fox or a cat, but you weren't sure. And its face looked like it knew you. I have those all the time. Well, no one wants to listen to that. But this guy, he won't just listen. He'll try and help you work out what your dreams mean. And they don't mean anything. Wow. And don't tell anyone, but if you sign up today, I'll throw in some DIY skills. You'll thank me. He seems all right, I guess. Take this model, and over time you can add some upgrades. A bit of fashion sense, some fitness regimes. The childcare module is very popular. He might even become your Prince Charming. I'll take him. 